Hello, and welcome back to His Simple Truths Podcast. My name is Greg Mullins. And I'm Tyson Thompson. Hello, everybody. Excited to be back with you today. Uh, the title of today's podcast is The Lord's Battalion. Um, super exciting topic for us. This is the most common thing that we talk about in the mentoring sessions with individuals. Why are we here on the planet? <laughs> like, what is our purpose? It's like the therefore what of your life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it would be appropriate to start this podcast out with the words of the man who is calling up the Lord's battalion. <clears throat> I love the fact that he uses battalion. It makes me think of Harry Potter and Dumbledore's army. <laughs> Sorry, bad analogy. Hey. But he is literally calling us to a battle as warriors. Oh, Greg, here we go again. Greg's out there thinking he's some kind of warrior of light with his sword of justice, swinging it around. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. <laughs> Listen to the word of the prophet. So interesting that he has now called each group of the church up individually, starting with the priesthood and then the youth and then the women and now the, so the um, teenagers and then the, the last was the primary. Yeah, I'm all independently called up into the Lord's battalion. So let's start with the brothers. <clears throat> he says, brethren, there are doors we can open, priesthood blessings we can give, hearts we can heal, burdens we can lift, testimonies we can strengthen, lives we can save, joy we can bring into the homes of the Latter-day Saints, all because we hold the priesthood of God. We are the men who have been called and prepared from the foundation of the world to the foreknowledge of God on the account of our exceeding faith to do this work. I'm just going to read that again. We are the men who have been called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of our exceeding faith to do this work. Tonight, I invite you to literally rise up with me in our great eternal brotherhood. When I name your priesthood office, please stand and remain standing. Deacons, please arise. Teachers, please arise. Priests, bishops, elders, high priests, patriarchs, 70s apostles. And then he finishes by having us um, sing the song of Rise Up, O Men of God. I remember that priesthood session like it was yesterday. As I was sitting here <clears throat> remembering that, um, I was with my uncle and a couple of my cousins uh, in Utah and sitting in a chapel. But that is one of the singular most powerful moments of my life period, but of general conference for sure. That's number one. Like yeah. I've never felt the power of God flow through me like it did in that moment oh in general gosh. conference. And and I've felt this power of God through some great talks that have been given where I was literally sobbing or jumping for joy or whatever, but like to feel the power of the Lord confirming who I am and who all these brothers are that are standing around me all over the world, like yeah. powerful. Yeah. I'm just reliving it in my mind. And I happen to have a deacon, a teacher and a priest with me, my sons in that meeting, we were in the stake center. And I remember when he called the deacons, my son is a deacon, like looked over at me, like I'm 
I'm supposed to stand. <laughs> like, Does this happen every time? Because he's, he's a pretty new deacon. <laughs> yeah, but I could tell he was feeling it. Like I could almost see his body shaking. You could feel the power of that moment. And he stands up, and then teachers, and my teacher popped up. <laughs> like, and then my priest pops up. And I'm watching them go bink, 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 and just feeling so much power in that room. And, you know, as he called the elders and then the high priests. And when I arose, I wasn't just standing because he told us to stand. Like, I felt that call to the battalion. And when I rose and when I stood up, I was accepting my call. Yeah, I could see myself, like, look down at my sword. And unscabbard it just for a sec, just about eight <laughs> inches of the blade, and like, shh, shh, it's good to be back with you. Let's do this. So exciting. Just an amazing experience. Um, now, this morning I was trying to find the specific instance where he called the women up. The youth, we've already read on or gone through on a couple podcasts when he called the youth up um, in the general or the. Yeah, uh, what was that? The was devotional, the devotional, youth devotional, yeah, youth yeah. devotional. The sisters, for you, there have been multiple instances over the last few conferences where he's called you up, and so yeah, I'm getting a little jealous to be honest. Because <laughs> I'm over here like, hey, when's when's the prophet going to talk to us? And then the prophet, the, the Lord's like, he's been. The prophets have been talking to you. He's done. He's done talking to you. He's calling. He has a very focused mission on helping the sisters understand who they are and their priesthood. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to feel too put out, I guess, because. <laughs> You're right. Like we've had so many conferences dedicated to, come on, brethren, get with yep. it. Shake off the shackles of this earth, right? Let scales fall from your eyes, right? Over and over and over. Yep. But it is actually refreshing and exciting to see a prophet just breathing life into the little I am's of all these sisters. Yeah, no question. So here's a couple different quotes. These are from different talks. Um but these are, this was the sister's call. My dear sisters, you have special spiritual gifts and pro- propensities. Tonight I urge you with all the hope of my heart to pray to understand your spiritual gifts, to cultivate, use, and expand them even more than you ever have. You will change the world as you do so. My dear sisters, we need you. We need your strength your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. We simply cannot gather Israel without you. Pretty clear. Yeah. I don't think you can mix that up. No. In the youth devotional, he tells them, there is no more important work that you can be doing on this earth than gathering Israel. (laughs) He didn't say the most important thing you can do right now is get good grades, prepare for college, Right. Those Go things are important. I'm not saying they're not. However, he did say the most important thing they can be engaged in right now is the gathering of Israel. Now, I just want to add testimony to that. I've, I've mentored young people recently who have turned to some form of addiction because they're bored out of their mind. They are stuck in the telestial paradigms. And as soon as we go over that call from the Lord and they recognize, remember who they are and really embrace that, those, those addictions start to fall away because they recognize who they are and why they're on the earth and what they've been called to do. 
and they get excited. Holy cow. Some of the times I get off mentoring calls with some of these young people and they're like fired up. Yeah. Just recognizing and remembering who they are. I had one sister that she'd been having promptings. Um, she's in college and she had promptings that she should, um, pursue a different line of work that was way more in line with, with what her, um, what her mission is. She's already seen what her mission is and she's, she's seen it in vision, right? Her own personal revelation on what she's supposed to be doing. And, um, our whole family has been like, no, you're going to go do this thing. Cause this is the thing that's going to benefit you the most. Da da da. And, uh, in that call, she knew that she, that that wasn't what she was supposed to be pursuing. And <clears throat> she even tried to justify it. Like, Hey, I'll dabble in it while I'm pursuing this other thing. And finally she, she told me later that she submitted to the Lord and just knelt down and was like, okay, I'm giving this all to you. And, um, she stood up from that and he, he gave her a very direct thing to do, which was sort of the kiss of the death, kiss, kiss of death and nails in the coffin to what she thought she was going to be pursuing according to everybody else. And she did it without hesitation. She put the nails in the coffin and, and is shifting gears and going a completely different direction from what everybody else has told her because she believes the prophet when he says this is the most important thing you should be doing. You should be pursuing your, you should be pursuing gathering Israel. And in order to do that, she recognizes she has to know what her mission is with gathering Israel, right? Are you not just going to run around the street and go, I'm gathering Israel, come, come hither, I'm gathering you, right? Like, that's not how it works. You got to have a mission. You got to have a very, you have a very specific focus um, of things that the Lord is going to have you do and call you up to do. And, and she knows, she already knew what that was. So the wrestle for her wasn't any kind of addiction as much as it was <clears throat> fear of rejection of her family, et cetera, to, to go do what she's been called to do. And that was pretty amazing. Having the courage to get in her own game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like a couple of podcasts ago. Yeah. So looking at this from a strategic battle, if we're battalion members, we're part of an army, um, I love how the Book of Mormon is military strategy. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Yeah, like no, the war chapters making a lot more sense nowadays. Yeah. And it, I love the different leaders throughout those wars. You know, you've got Moroni who built the walls and protected the cities and everything had a plan before they did it. They just didn't, like Tyson said, they just didn't run out in the street with their swords and be like, Oh, you're a bad guy. Stab you. You're a good guy. Save you. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Everybody willy nilly doing their own thing. So in strategy, military strategy, you examine the enemy first. If you don't know what you're fighting, you're done. Like, yeah. You can't defend yourself. You can't attack if you don't understand what you're fighting. Yeah, if you don't understand the instrumentalities of warfare that they're using and the tactics that they use and the weapon systems that they, they have, the capabilities they bring to the fight, um, the, the, the reinforcement that they have, you know, the, their end strength, what's their, what's the, how many boots on the ground do they have? I mean, you've got to understand a lot of things before you just, I mean, there's a reason why it takes years in the making, right? At least months 
to plan the invasion of Iraq or, you know, or whatever the case is as far as a, an actual war because it just takes that level of forethought and understanding. So it's really interesting to me with where we're at currently in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints that if you go into a priesthood meeting or early society meeting and you say, the devil is attacking us, how's he doing it? And how do we use our priesthood to defend ourselves? The reaction that you get in those moments is almost comical. People don't want to talk about the devil. They don't want to talk about devils and unclean spirits. They don't want to talk about... Like having the Harry Potter la-la-la moment, right? Mm -hmm. Fingers in their ears like, la-la-la-la-la-la, can't hear you. We don't talk about Voldemort because we don't want Voldemort to show up. (laughs) And you're like, wait, what? Like, since when is that ever... like? So that's what we should have done, right? Like in any battle in the history of mankind is just like plug our ears and hide in the corner and pretend it's not happening. Like there's not really somebody shooting at me. If I close my eyes, you're not real. (laughs) (laughs) What the heck? Okay. So because of the current climate of the church, how do we study the enemy? Very, very, very interesting that the prophet is telling us to learn from the Lord himself. He knows. He knows what the climate is right now. He knows that that information is not going to come in a Sunday school lesson, even though we just went through the whole New Testament, and I can't, I didn't count them, but many times throughout that it talks about devils and unclean spirits, from the Savior doing it to Paul doing it to Peter doing it, on and on and on. But for some reason, we're not supposed to talk about it. It just blows my freaking mind. <laughs> it's laughable, to be honest. Like, I'm going to be bold enough to say it's absolutely laughable. And what's even, what's tragic about it, the tragic part is that hook, line, and sinker, we bought that for a long time. <clears throat> and then as soon as we unbought it and our eyes were opened, we're now tragically seeing how many people that we love and care about have Casualties. just, like, hooked, line, and seeker this whole A brother teaching Sunday school this week had a very valid question. He he was like, who knows where the prophet was this last week? Who knows what he was doing, right? And a few people in the congregation, I didn't know, right? A few people in the congregation were like, well, the first question he actually asked was, who won the Ohio State-Michigan game? And like four people shouted out the answer, right? And then he was like, okay, who knows where the prophet was last week and what he was doing, right? I guess he was speaking speaking in an MTC. I think he was in South America somewhere briefly. Like, right? What was he saying? What was he teaching? Right? Like, are we paying attention to what he's doing, or are we too engrossed, right, religiously in college football? And like, but to say that, right? Like, and then transpose that and say, okay, what's Satan doing? Yeah. Who knows what he's up to in your life? Who knows what what is he up to in your friends' lives? What is he up to in your family's lives? Well, well, we don't need to really talk about him. Let's just let's just come over here and we're going to pray and, and worship um, uh, false gods and we'll kind of talk about Jesus on the side some and then we're going to be okay, right? And somehow that battle strategy is is the preferred one of choice right now, which is a failing strategy. It's amazing. It's like the kiss of death. The, the adversary is on full frontal assault right now. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you don't recognize it, 
he is after you. He's after your family, your children. It's it's full contact right now. And what I'm seeing happen over and over again, as people are attacked, they get medicated. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about getting some kind of antipsychotic drug or depression drug. Medication could be anything from pornography to food to um, seeking money, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Rather than recognizing why they're struggling or why they're upset or why they're not happy, it goes directly to some form of self-medica- self-medication mm-hmm. or prescribed medication even. Rather than recognizing that we are fighting a literal battle with the adversary. Yeah, so I guess that's that is definitely like step one to being called up to the Lord's Battalion is the why, right? I can tell you how being a member of the National Guard and being there right after the transition after nine eleven was eye opening. You know how many club members of the National Guard and Reserve were there just hanging out, coming to drill once a month? collecting a paycheck we earned as a guard and reserve we earned every every poor image of ourselves because it was a weak group to start with because they didn't no one really was preaching why we were there and believing it right people were just showing up to drill weekend because this is what we do i get to go play weekend warrior come over here and pretend i'm in the military right like and we earned that because guess what happened when doo-doo hit the fan and all of a sudden people are being deployed guard units are broken guard units like are all out of shape there's a bunch of fat dudes trying to go into combat like it was bad right like we earned every every piece of the bad name that we got for ourselves. Now, in my opinion, since then, the Guard and Reserve are a completely different force, right? But we have an opportunity to be like the active duty military where we're in shape when the battle comes and we're ready because we preach and live the doctrine of the fight, right? Or we can be the slouching Guard Reserve guys over here on the sideline with no oil in our lamps, out of, out of shape and completely untrained and go, I'm a soldier, I'm over here ready to fight. Just kidding. I'm over here to hang out with my buddies and eat donuts and watch TV on drill weekend on the government's dime, right? Like, and for all you guard and reserve guys that were here pre 9/11, you know what I'm talking about. You you post 9/11 guys who have come into a completely active guard and reserve, you don't know what I'm talking about. But there's the analogy, right? We can either be the active duty guys who are eat, breathe, and sleep preparation to go to war, or we can be the guys on the sidelines sitting in the back of the pew on our phones watching NFL scores while <clears throat> during sacrament meeting while the sacraments being passed right Sh- showing each other our AK47 that has no bullets right yeah exactly <laughs> hey cool ch- is. check out my M4 man uh do you have a do you even have a magazine for that no oh and your blank firing adapter still on it like you should probably take that off if you're not firing <laughs> blanks right like oh <laughs> okay so let's talk really quick about adversarial strategy um, now, this is as we understand it. Um, this is as it's been taught to us by the Lord. So you take it to the Lord and decide if it's right for you. But my understanding of how Lucifer's kingdom works is that it is a duplicate of the Lord's kingdom in reverse. So just like the Lord has prophets and apostles that lead, 
Lucifer has high-ranking leadership. And just like we have 70s, he has a group, principalities and powers. Okay, they are organized just the same way God is organized. They are organized in reverse. Um, Mirror image. Bishops, teachers, side. priests, all the way down. There are... Demon, there are demons who specialize in various things. There's demons that specialize in divorce. There's demons that specialize in depression. There's demons that specialize in um, addictions. That on and on and on. There are specialties on the dark side that they use, and they know <coughs> they can recognize where our weakness is, and then they send specialists to go in and attack. Um. I mean, we could go into to great detail of how that works, but just understand that this is a very, very, very organized force that we're up against. It's not just a bunch of willy-nilly, chaotic demons running around poking people in the eye. Yeah, this is not, and this is not Saddam's army, right, that just folded as soon as we came into the country. That was the fastest, the first time we went in, in, in Desert Storm, the fastest moving land war in the history of mankind, because that army just folded right yeah. like they didn't have the motivation to fight until we got <clears throat> all the way in and then uh then saddam's republic army like they they fought actually they put up a fight but but he, he, this is a dynamic battle with a with a force that is controlled <laughs> like a symphony um i mean they're swaying to the symphony of destruction right like they are out there um in their demonic efforts totally organized right and we're looking like complete clowns a little bit right yeah, right now not a little bit a lot of bit <laughs> a lot of bit because we're like over here like they're the, the battles like in full array and we're over here trying to finish cooking breakfast right like <laughs> what is happening so many times i've heard somebody say i put my arm to the square and cast them out and they just come back mm -hmm. like i have to do it four, five, six, ten times a day. Like, I just keep getting attacked that they won't go away. And every time I hear that, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Savior teaching us. He said, you cast him out, you sweep your house clean, but you don't do anything else to prepare. He goes and gets seven more. Stronger than him. Stronger than him, and they come back. Mm -hmm. That's the reality of what we're facing right now. You're not squared off one-on-one. -on -one. No. There's a whole pile waiting and if you try to stand up against them they go get their buddies and they come back so question for you tyson mm -hmm. true military you're pinned down yep and you know you're surrounded what do you do i'm calling for air support and i'm calling for reinforcements. wait a second you're not sitting there by yourself with your single shot rifle Trying right. to pick off a thousand guys one at a time. Clink. <laughs> Clink. Clink. Or even your fully automatic rifle. Right. Trying to pick them off. <laughs> no. No. I'm like, hey, uh, so it turns out that we're fighting this uh, guerrilla warfare group that is very good at their type of tactic, but I'm also trained and really good. <clears throat> and I got guys that I've called in with me that. <clears throat> 
are super good at geospatial calculation on the fly and can pinpoint where that enemy fire is coming from. And then we have something in the sky called an A-10 Warthog or a AC-130, right, that can drop rain pain on them in the position that they're in. And they don't stand a chance. When we realize that we have air superiority with Heavenly Father and Heavenly Forces, and 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 also calling on forces that are right next to us right yes. like even if you don't know how to call on heavenly forces right find a a tac p right a tactical air controller like greg who can who can control air um, from heaven right control and rain pain that way <clears throat> and call them up right or call me up or call somebody up in your life that you know has priesthood power and have them show you how to demonstrate it for you and then don't don't just say okay well thanks for helping me see you later right like have them sit down after it's all over and go through a post battle right a post battle analysis and sit down and go okay what did we learn right now what what do you need to learn how to do how do you need to learn how to defend yourself and those that you love rather than have all these things be wasted on you as far as you going out and perpetuating the same for somebody else you know what i mean i mean adding to it but yeah that was a long answer but basically <laughs> we have air superiority right like that is <clears throat> that is how any in the last 50 you know last 80 years any uh any military that's won any battle has controlled the air the only reason that the last couple of wars that we haven't that we've been in have not had um way more casualties on the American side of things or the ally side of things is because we had air superiority. Like we controlled the air yeah. and when we control the air, right. Control overhead, the enemy couldn't, I mean, Saddam couldn't even get his planes off the ground. They were done before they even got airborne. Yeah. And, and that's because, because we were so lethal in how we went in and took him out before he could even move. And I'm not, saying i'm a proponent of either any of these wars i'm just using them as examples right so so it is absolutely imperative that you understand that you cannot fight this battle alone it's not possible you will lose every time right to borrow like from napoleon dynamite right when when the uh when the when the cage fighter guy right he's like no more flying solo <laughs> right <laughs> like no more flying by yourself like you you cannot you're not going to make it if you think oh i'm just going to battle this out by myself so one of the first things that you mentioned was that you have somebody who pinpoints where the fire is coming from right you can't call in the air support and have them drop a bomb if you don't know where to drop the bomb right you need a forward observer or a tactical air controller or cct somebody to be able to pinpoint where or a watchman on the tower yeah exactly or yeah isn't it interesting the prophets focus on personal revelation mm -hmm. where you can go to the lord who's your watchman on the tower and say somebody's taking pot shots at me where is he who is he her he her whoever it is and recognize where the attack's coming from and then start to figure out exactly what the tactics are and how to call in air support. Mm -hmm. I love the prophet keeps saying, gathering Israel on both sides of the veil, both sides of the veil. He emphasizes it even when he says it. We're not fighting this battle. We shouldn't be fighting this battle by ourselves. We should have both sides of the veil involved 
in helping us with this. And I just want to witness to you how many times I've seen miracles happen. People who I'm mentoring with will, will text me and say, I'm getting smashed right now. Like mm-hmm. I'm under attack. I'm pinned down, Greg. I shoot a text out to a group of men who are on standby in the airship. <laughs> yep. I was a beneficiary of this yesterday. As soon as that call goes out, they're all immediately exercising their own gifts. And we're going to talk about some of those gifts here to help that individual. Mm-hmm. And the, the help is there immediately. Those people are delivered immediately from the, that immediate threat that they're facing. Right. That is what God needs us to be doing right now. <coughs> when the prophet says to seek after power in the priesthood, he's serious. When President Eyring says, learn how to exercise your power to control these principalities and powers, he's serious. This is a battle. People are dying, literally dying spiritually and even physically. Lucifer has demons that specialize in suicide, Mm -hmm. forcing people off the earth through suicide, um, through murder, all these different things. Like he's trying to get people off the earth locked in sin because then he gets them for a little bit. Like we just have to understand that this, this is not a game. All is not well in Zion right now. We are getting smashed. And if we don't figure out how to get in the game, get in the battle, it's not a game anymore, a battle, then we're going to lose those around us and even ourselves eventually. Um, When understanding how to defend yourself against the adversary, the very first and most important thing is to understand who you are. There is a reason why in those quotes that I just read from the prophet, He emphasizes over and over and over, you were chosen to be here. You are the elect. You were foreordained for this mission. You're supposed to be here. You are God's elect army. This battalion is here to save this planet. That's why we're here as we work to gather Israel. Now, it's very important to understand how the difference between light and dark. So on the earth, there is no gray. It's either of God or it's of Satan. There is no in between. And there's eternal law that governs both sides and both sides are equal, equal and opposite. One is not stronger than the other when it's being obedient to eternal law. Okay, so Our earth currently resides in a place far out from the center, meaning God's light is not fully encompassing this planet. If it was, if his glory was fully on this planet, it would be celestial. And we'd be burned. We would be not here anymore. (laughs) So it's been moved away from his glory on purpose. And out here on the fringe, darkness has some power here. It's been allowed an opportunity to have access here. Now, as the earth transitions and moves back towards the center, it will become a terrestrial planet and that darkness will be pushed from it. It can't make that transition until we as a people are ready for that. 
Otherwise, we're going to get burned with them, <laughs> with everything else. So really important to understand that as you came to this earth, foreordained for this mission, you brought with you glory. And what I mean by glory is light and truth. Knowledge that you had received prior coming to this earth, that is literal light. And as you accept who you are and really begin to embrace who you are, your light increases. And when your light's strong enough, darkness can't penetrate anymore. When the apostles came back to the Lord after trying to cast out a devil and they're like, Lord, we, we can't get it to leave. The Savior said, that kind doesn't come out unless you pray and fast. Well, why did they need to fast? These are the apostles. They needed to center themselves back in the spirit, which is what fasting does, putting off the natural man completing completely and raising themselves to a higher state of frequency or light or vibration that was powerful enough to force that darkness to leave. We have to begin to embrace who we are to a level that when that darkness comes attacking, we're not like raising our arm to the square, like leave, which they have to in the name of Jesus Christ. And then it leaves. And then you turn right back around, look at a darkness and it's like, come back. And maybe that darkness, you know, I feel like I should in <clears throat> inject this here, interject this. Um, Maybe that darkness isn't a sin that you're looking at. Maybe that darkness is you getting uh, entangled in other people's garbage, right? And then thinking somehow you have to fix it when maybe that's not your call. Maybe you've got family members who are who are struggling, and you know we we talked about this before, like moms especially with their kids who are not active in the church. It's like all is lost, right? And the Lord so many times is like, no. And A, A, that's not your focus. And then people are like, well, uh, but it's my kid. I'm like, go, go back and read what Orson F. Whitney said, quoting Joseph Smith. Your faithful service in the cause of truth will save not only you and your posterity, not you wringing your hands about your kids and their spiritual whereabouts, right? Like, get engaged in the cause of truth. Put your oxygen mask on first. Right. And get engaged in your mission. And then it says the Lord... Will, they will feel the tentacles of divine providence reaching out for them. Not they will finally heed their mother's nagging and go back to church and become covenant people, right? That's not what it says. It says they will feel the tentacles of divine providence reaching out for them and drawing them back to the fold, right? Like that, get out of your own so circumstance and traumas and dramas and get into the fight. And then what you want for blessings will come to you. And just to translate that, for those of you who are like, what's a divine tentacle that they're going to feel? That is your light that will shine on them. And as the world gets darker and they experience darkness and they feel your light, which is truth, which is glory, they will come back to the light. They'll come back to the bug zapper. Yep, be that light. <laughs> they're going to flock to it. Maybe... Maybe what's causing this for you is unbelief, right? Not sin, but unbelief. Your prophet is telling you that you were foreordained to be here on the earth, to exercise a fullness of priesthood power, 
So he's handing you 100% truth. This is who you are. And you're like, mm, I'll take 5% of that. I'm a pretty good guy. I'm trying. Right. I'm, I'm reading my scriptures and I'm saying my prayers and I'm... Kind of check in with, with the people that I'm supposed to minister to that are on my list. Kind of, sort of. If you, the Lord will can only give you what you're willing to take. That's why the prophet in all of these quotes, in all of his talks, he says, you can be a part of it. There's always that stipulation of you have to make the choice to engage or not engage. When God hands you 100% truth and you take 50% of it, you only get 50% of the power. Yeah. If you want 100% light so that you can hold off the adversary, listen to what the prophet's telling you. Who are you? How are you presenting yourself to the Lord? Think about when you go to the temple and you're presented to the Lord. You are being presented in whatever way you choose to be presented. The Lord sees eternity, the eternal now, past, present, and future. He knows your valor in the premortal existence, and he's telling your, pro- his pro- your prophet to repeat that to you. He knows what your mission is on the earth right now. And he knows who you are afterwards, already, in an eternal now. He sees that and knows that. And if you think about what happens as you're presented at the veil in the temple, that's how you're presented. And you have to choose whether you believe the Lord or not. Because if you choose to take 50%, only believe 50%, you only get 50%. And you're going to keep getting your trash kicked over and over and over again. Even if you've got somebody who believes 100% that you're going to for help, as soon as you walk away, you're going to get smashed again. Which is okay for a time. Because sometimes unbelief, working through unbelief, takes a period of trial and error. Most of the time it does. But... You have to start getting to a place where you can receive full truth from the Lord. Yeah, and I just interject this too. I learned this week that the pathway or the access point to full truth or, or divine truth or untampered with, unfettered truth, like 100% pure truth, the access point to that is charity is the pure love of Christ, which is also the pure love of our heavenly parents, right? Like mother and father, that's the access point. That is the way that we get access to, to truth. And it has to be involved in the reason that we're given pure truth has to, has to do with us, um, with us receiving revelation and help regarding helping either ourselves or someone else to salvation. That's when we're going to get pure truth, which is being in the fight, right? Which is, which is being in the battalion, which is doing the work necessary. So the access point is charity and pure love. Why do you want to do whatever it is you're wanting to do on the battlefield? Yeah. Is it to glorify your own ambition? Is it to, 
to be cooler than anybody else? Is it to prove yourself? Is it, or is it to help Christ, mother and father, in the plan of salvation with other people? And if it is, that is the reason, then you'll receive divine, pure light and knowledge regarding yourself and other people to, that is power to, to assist in their salvation, and you will have power in your priesthood, matriarchal or patriarchal priesthood. Some of the greatest military leaders in the Book of Mormon, Mormon and Moroni, it talks about them weeping as they watch the enemy destroyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Moroni um, wept bitterly because he sent so many into the next world unprepared to meet their God, I think is the terminology that's yeah. used. We are not warriors that go into a battle, like Tyson was just saying, to glorify ourselves or even glorify God. When we go into battle, we're there because we have to be. We're fighting because we're being forced to. And there is no glory in destroying even even the dark side. Those spirits who have been captured by the adversary, there is no glory in that. There is no joy in that. That's not the kind of warriors we are. But there is joy in saving a soul from them, in rescuing them and helping them. And it's really, really important that as you begin to really step up and, and take your role and your place in this, this battle, in this battalion, that you recognize that this is a different kind of war that we're fighting. We're not savage warriors out there, bloodthirsty like the Lamanites. We're calm and calculated like Moroni's armies. And we're doing it because we have to in defense um, a virtue of everything Truth that's good. Yep. yep. Um, so what, what do we have to fight with? I hear this a lot. What, what weapons do we have to use? Well, we have defensive weapons like the shield of faith, right? Okay. So let's stop with shield. Um, think about what a shield is. The shield is, is to protect us from, from harm, mm-hmm. some, something that's coming at us. There are a lot of people, and I used to be one of them, that hear about calling and asking the Lord to put a shield over somebody. And we're like, oh, that's just pretends. That's just pretends. <laughs> like, that's somebody who needs to see that in their mind's eye to be able to experience that. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego benefited from a shield. <laughs> um, we can go on and on with different... Well, the, the, the stripling warriors had to be shielded somehow. How do you take... 2,000, over 2,000 young men who've never been in battle before, who really only had a couple months to get ready to go to battle. If that. Right? And how do you get them to the place where they are fighting skilled and experienced savage savage warriors in the Lamanites and winning? Yep. And, and not just winning, not dying. Yeah. Like some of them were injured. Well, guess who their shield was? Yeah. Go back to who their shield was, and it talks about they didn't doubt because their mothers knew it. 
And I know that their mother spirits were on the battlefield shielding them no question. From, from injury no and question. harm. And then healing them when they did get injured. <clears throat> no question. Those shields are real and literal, and they are shields of grace that we can use because of our faith. The shield of faith is literally a shield that can be placed around us to defend us from adversarial forces. No question in my mind. I've used them. I've seen them. I've been the beneficiary of them. So what other weapons do we have? Uh, we have the sword of justice. Okay. So I had a young man just the other day ask me, Brother Mullins, if we're all spirits in the spirit world, how do we pick up a sword of justice? Is it a real sword, literal sword? And how do we fight with it? And does it actually kill people? Like, how does that work? This is coming from a 16, 17-year-old young man. So, great question. Sword of justice. Is it real? Is it literal? Can we use it to fight with? The answer is unequivocally, yes, it's real. It is power from God given to us to defend ourselves against a literal foe that can be destroyed if it's breaching eternal law. Which the law of agency is Satan's favorite thing to breach. <clears throat> because, guess what? He poke checks us all the time and we never do anything about it, right? Yep. We're like, oh, he's just completely destroying that guy over there. And then because of our culturalisms in the church and in the gospel, we're like, oh, that guy's having financial struggles. Must be because he's a sinner, <laughs> right? Oh, that guy's blind, right? Tell me this doesn't sound like the kingdom of the Jews that yeah. John came to tear down, right? Whoa. So the apostles walk up to the blind man, right? And they're like, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Christ. I can imagine him looking at him like, really? This is where we are? Yeah. And then Christ's perfect response, neither this man nor his parents did sin, but that the glory of God may be manifest in him. And then Christ uses his sword to protect and heal this man. Okay, yeah. next weapon we've got, cords of light. When we are being attacked by adversarial forces, by the authority of the priesthood, not just patriarchal priesthood, but matriarchal priesthood, they can be bound with cords of light and dismissed back to where they came from. Cast into the pit. Very, very, very real and true principle that I have also, and Tyson has seen, and many others have seen operated, used, powerful tool symbols we have that can be used. Armed of the Square is one that we're taught in the temple. There are others that the Lord can teach you that you can use to defend yourself with. One of the most powerful weapons that we have is the air support, calling down angels. Just like Satan has special specialists on his side, the Lord has specialists on his side. These are angels, ministering angels. 
they are celestial beings that have callings to come down and help us with individual things. Some are ministering, some are warriors, some defend, some, um, some comfort. There's a lot of different specialists on the Lord's side as well. I, I got to throw this in here. I didn't plan on sharing this, but this is how real this gets. I know of somebody who recently showed up amidst somebody else's battle because they heard the, the clarion call, right, to, to get engaged. So they show up in the middle of the battle and they are like, hey, what is happening? Tell me how I can help, right? And this brother comes to another brother and a member of this brother's family is being attacked. And he goes, and the brother that that it was that was coming in to reinforce, right, is like, what do I do? And the brother whose family member was being attacked is like, go help this, you know, this sister that was that was being attacked. So this brother is not. This is remote, right? Like the, he's at home kneeling, right, praying, trying to figure out how he can help, how he can engage, <clears throat> and in vision. He sees, he shows up and he sees the spirit of this sister shackled by 28 demons, 28. And he calls down angels. He starts swinging away with his sword and is calling down angels like, help me get them off. And you know who showed up? He saw in vision stripling warriors and their mothers show up and bind with cords of light these demons and carry them to the pit. Like... That's real. Sounds pretty out there. Yeah, sounds pretty out there. <laughs> sounds like he was actually engaging in warfare in the spirit through vision. And we can sit and discount whether or not anybody besides old Russell and Nelson and the boys in Salt Lake can have visions or not. But the scriptures clearly say that they can. And I'm not the one who had this vision. I'm sharing it anonymously about another brother who had this vision he actually saw that happen. He actually participated in that. And, and if that feels out there to you, it's okay. But instead of just rejecting it, I would just encourage you to take it to the Lord and ask him if it's true or not. Like, don't take our word for it. Yeah. Don't take his word for it. Yeah, use your shield of faith, right? And and your faith and go get your own answer. Use your own revelation. Use you... revelation. That is the next weapon that I wanted to talk about is revelation. We have one of the most powerful weapons available to us where we can receive direct information on the enemy, his battle strategy, how he's attacking, what weapons he's using to attack us with. See through the veil and actually see them. Yep. And be able to have the Lord tell us what we need to do to defend ourselves. It seems out there. But I just encourage you to take it to the Lord and ask him if it's true or not. L. Tom Perry gave a talk and he briefly made a couple comments about if, if we could learn to use our spiritual imagine our imagination a little bit more, we would, our spiritual eyes would be opened. Um, and actually this is that whole principle that is talked about by Moroni, right? Which is, is having a desire to believe. Even if you don't believe what story I just told you about 28 demons attacking a sister is true, have a desire to believe that it's true. Yeah. And then go ask the Lord, is it true? And if you go in that place unwavering, he'll give you the answer you're looking for. I love that President Oaks said, 
we know way less than we think we know about what happens in the spiritual side of things. He was trying to get us to open our minds and let the Lord teach us how to operate in that sphere, to understand what's actually happening over there. Um, just a critical key component to this whole battle. Now, one of the things in every warrior battle game that I've ever played, same thing with true military, the side that wins, just like Moroni, is the side that puts on armor. Yeah. Lamanites come running out in their loincloth, and Moroni's men have breastplate breastplates and armor. Our, our armor that we're supposed to be putting on is the most critical key component. Ephesians 6, I think, talks That's right. about the armor of God. That's right. And I know you've heard it in your Sunday school lessons a hundred times throughout the years, but brothers and sisters, it's literal armor that you need to be putting on. It will protect you from literal blows of the adversary, just like your garment will. These are not just pretend made-up stories. You go through the scriptures and read what happens to these brethren. Read about the early apostles attacked by the adversary, by legions of the adversary, physically thrown around rooms. Like, this is not pretends. This is a real battle that we're fighting. And if you don't have armor on, you're going to get hit with a pot shot from somewhere. You get armor on and you get shot at and it gets blocked, you can then go to personal revelation and say, Lord, where'd that come from? And then you can call in close air support and then come drop a nuke on them and you can be done with that. Or you can get pinned down with no armor and your single rifle and try and defend yourself and lose. (laughs) I mean, that's the long and short of it. You can't make it. Yeah, Zion is not going to happen by a bunch of people who individually fought valiantly enough by themselves in their own battles against legions and then finally earned their their place. Like this isn't like Legend of Zelda, right? Like yeah. this is this is not a video game. This is real life and it's real eternal life and it's a real battle. And if you can't see that real battle, it's not because it's not there. It's because you have scales on your eyes and the Lord through personal revelation can pull those scales down so that you can see. And those scales are traditions. Those are things that you think you know because you've heard it taught by somebody at some point. Your prophet's asking you to look past tradition and really go to the Lord and find out. Now we've just touched on a few of the weapons that that are available. There are so many more. But you have to receive those from the Lord. You have to be willing to take the truth that's being handed you. Because here's the thing. If the Lord presents you with 100% truth on any topic and you take 50% of it, the next time you go to him asking for something, he's going to give you a lesser portion. Because you haven't even received everything's line upon line, precept on precept. Until you receive 100% truth, he can't give you the next piece, especially when we're talking about spiritual weapons. If you can't receive the fact that you are one of God's most elect sons or daughters and that you're on the earth right now because he trusts you to wield his power, he can't give it to you. 
Doctrine and Covenants 84, 54. And your minds in times past have been darkened because of unbelief and because you have treated lightly the things you have received. So if you're taking, if you're like, oh, well, this is, this isn't actually a full meal deal. I just want to pick and choose the things I like to eat. And you're treating the Lord's gospel like a smorgasbord where you get to pick and choose the pieces you want and discard the rest. You're treating lightly the things you've received. Yeah. You either with the fullness of agency, take the fullness or you take part. And you find out if you end up being one of the virgins without oil at the end when the bridegroom comes. Like, it's it's either or. You take the fullness and you keep proceeding and gaining more, <clears throat> or you take partsies and, you know, you don't take things for reals. You kind of take them for just kiddings. And then, guess what? You're going to find out, we are going to find out as a people, that we weren't prepared. And in verse 55, which vanity and unbelief have brought the whole church under condemnation. And this condemnation resteth upon the children of Zion, even all. And they remain under this condemnation until they repent and remember the new covenant, even the book of Mormon. Interesting. The, the war chapters are the most prominent piece of the book of Mormon. Even the Book of Mormon and the former commandments which I have given unto them, not only to say, but to do according to that which I have written. The Lord is done with people who talk a lot. He's done with gospel doctrine teachers who can tell you how many cubits are in a farthing, and that's a joke, <laughs> right? Who can stand up and quote chapter and verse, but have no idea how to minister to people. Or defend themselves. Or defend themselves. Or to be true disciples of Jesus Christ. I can't tell you how many times you get people on mentoring calls who are like, well, I don't know the scriptures very well, so I must not be a very good disciple. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Guess who knew the scriptures really well in the olden days when Christ came? The Pharisees and Sadducees. They loved to tell themselves pretty little stories about how the kingdom of God worked. And then they love to play gatekeeper of who got into the kingdom and who didn't. That's happening right now in the church. Unrighteous dominion, in my opinion, has probably never been more rampant. And that, that is happening because those leaders are under the influence of an adversarial force. That's why unrighteous dominion happens. Brothers and sisters, we testify to you that this battle is real. It's full contact right now. And it's not just contact outside of the kingdom of God, the church, right? It's full contact on the inside. And you have to decide whether you're going to accept full truth of what it is and seek for help. If you don't know what to do or how to do it, reach out. Reach out on a mentoring call to us. Reach out to somebody else who can mentor you. I promise you, if you continue to sit in your foxhole by yourself, surrounded by a savage army that's fully armed with the most effective and up-to-date weapon systems that are available, you're going to lose. You have to get connected. That's what Zion is about. That's what we're building right now, becoming one heart, one mind, defending, protecting each other, bearing each other's burdens. 
I testify to you that this is the time for us to gather together as one and begin to help and strengthen and protect each other, teach each other how to use our weapon systems, begin to trust and believe what the prophet's telling us, what the Lord's telling you. Take 100% truth. Even if you don't understand it, say, Lord, I'm going to take it. I don't understand this. Help me. Help me to understand it, but I'm going to take it. I want it all. Because if you don't start taking what the Lord's giving you, you're not going to make it. Yeah, you're treating lightly, as those verses just said. You're treating lightly the things you've received. And when we do that, and I've been guilty of it too, we get a lesser portion. And eventually you have a lesser and lesser portion until you have no more portion. That's right. So. We love you. We want to help in any way that we can. As you fight the battles that you're fighting, please reach out to us if you feel prompted to. If you've been prompted to and you ignored that prompting, shame on you. (laughs) Exactly. Shame, shame. We know your name. Reach out and let us help. I wish we had time to read some of the testimonials that have come across the last little bit. The Lord is helping people, opening eyes and changing lives. We get the privilege to sit and be a part of that, be used by the Lord to do that. And it's really, really exciting. And he wants you to do the same. And this is verse 58. The Lord like totally just whispered in my ear, read 58. And, and 58 in, verse, in section 84 is huge. <clears throat> that they may bring forth fruit, meat for their father's kingdom. Otherwise there remaineth a scourge and judgment to be poured out upon the children of Zion. Like it's time to bring forth fruit. And <laughs> Greg and I... Like that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to bring forth fruit from our own efforts through the through the empowerment of the the Savior and the atonement of Jesus Christ to help other people realize what their mission is. Well, just not even that, just to accept their mission and then realize to what get it, capable of right to get engaged in the battalion and start operating with the authority they've been given and the instrumentalities of warfare that they've been blessed with that they were foreordained with, yep. and it is it is an awesome fruit. Like the taste of that fruit is amazing to watch people come into their own and start standing on their own firmly in the name of Jesus Christ. It's such a blessing. And I testify to you brothers and sisters that that there is no time like the present get engaged and do the work in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Just really quick. We want to give a shout out to those of you who have donated to his simple truths. We are so grateful for your support in helping us, um, especially this time of year when money's going other places. We get it. Um, just know that without your support, we couldn't do what we do. Um, a lot of people that we mentor with don't have the means. And those of you who are donating, as the Lord's directed you, you are saving lives and changing lives. And we are so grateful for that. And we're talking about families. Like I can think of one sister who has, who has so much on her plate and has had her life changed and now is empowering and changing the lives of her children. Um, essentially a single sister who's living under complete bondage of the telestial world and yet is, is as, uh, Alma when they were, um, when they were captured by the Lamanites, she's, she's basically, um, walking around with a light heart completely completely being pummeled but it's at the same time she's finding joy in the journey and she would have never come to us 
had we not had this policy of turning nobody away based on ability to pay. So some brothers and sisters out there who've donated, you, I want you to know, and I testify to you in the name of Jesus Christ, that that uh, someday your donation will be made known to these families and they will be able to turn to you and fall at your feet and thank you for your sacrifices for them as proxy saviors. And there's no greater work than that. Amen to that. Gospel's true, brothers and sisters. We love you. Hoorah. God, God be with you till we meet again. Hoorah for Israel. <laughs>